0: Wanted to enjoy the moment. Um, I want to welcome you here uh, this morning, and if I know there are a number of first-time visitors, and uh, my name is Pastor Steve, and I want to welcome you, and we're so thrilled that you're here. And I couldn't help uh, being just gripped. Let me grab my Bible. Thank you, Dean. Such an amazing job you all did. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it so you? much. Thank you. I couldn't help but being, well, just gripped with the two prophetic songs that came out. And you may have thought they were pre-thought or, or um, and somehow planned for. But, you know, Jesus, show us who you are, um, is probably the greatest cry of our hearts uh, here at this place. And the greatest need that we have is His people. Um, and uh, God seems to be doing that with many of us at this time. So um, I've come upon uh, what has always been there. Let me, let me pause before I do. Um, there are three ladies here um, that I just want to point out because God just sort of highlighted you, and it. Martha, Ella, Martha, Ella, uh, and Molly and uh, we've had the pleasure of hosting them in our house this weekend because they've been in a, a wedding. But it's not because we've had the pleasure of hosting you that I would point that out. But I really want to say to the three I you, don't you three of you stand up? Well, I just want to speak something over you, and then we want to pray for you. Um, I'm not going to say anything you don't probably already know, but the Spirit of God is moving... In each of you, in a way that is astounding, in your own individuality, and the favor of God rests upon you. Now, they come from uh, Johnny and Melissa's community up in Sophia, uh, North Carolina, so we shouldn't be astounded that there's something pretty amazing on you. But you, what you carry, is a richness of God's grace and mercy, uh, and the favor of God is just sort of. Um, around you as you walk and as you as you are it's not because of anything that you do it's because of him and and I I simply want to I just want to speak over you that uh, you each of you in your own right will be utterly astounded at doors that begin to open for your lives um, chains will be broken off of people because of who Jesus is in you as you walk. Uh, so, Peter, why don't you and some of the others, Jimmy, Cynthia, get around them and let's just pray for them for just a minute. And 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 what is true for them, what you need to realize is true for every one of us as sons and daughters of the King. Father, we praise you for such an opportunity that you would call us sons and daughters of God Lord you've taken us from being slaves and you've released us into the place of richly um, loving the identity that you've poured into our hearts and God it is our heart desire that we would uh, be history makers God that there would be people set free because of your life within each one of us so God would you bless these three Women of God, as we lay our hands and speak right now in faith, God, that you would release something fresh upon them for your name's sake in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, ladies, for allowing me to embarrass you and and pray for you. Um, I want to, and I could, I'm coming to the place of recognizing that Christianity, as many of us have lived it, um, is a whole lot of performance and works and rules and oughts and don'ts and do's. And, and, and God is setting me free from that. Now I say that, yet it's a, it's a praise. I say that because that is what I believe God wants to do in every one of our hearts. Set us free from the preconceived notion of what it means to be Christian. What it really means to be Christian is to have Christ in and a period well if you prefer an exclamation point (laughs) now what I said last week um, and some of you weren't here so I want to recap very quickly Um, what I said in sort of trying to uh, streamline streamline an understanding of the gospel uh, was first of all uh, being Easter we recognize the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus And the locus, the the core, the central message of of Jesus and Him crucified, buried, and raised, it has to begin with an understanding uh, that uh, Jesus died for us. And that means He died in my place. He took the penalty that I deserve. That's great news if it stopped right there now the second part of it is equally important and that is that not only did jesus die for me but jesus died as me now that's a little bit different language than we've heard but what that really means is when jesus died i died in him now what does that mean because i still live out you pinch yourself what it means is there's a portion of me which was old and that portion which was old died with him so that when Jesus died I died Romans 5 and Romans 6 I commend it to your study but Jesus didn't just die for me and in my place Jesus actually took my death and I died in him so that Paul would say in Galatians 2:20 I have been crucified with Christ that's how he said that that's why he said that nevertheless I live but not I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. So then the other side of the profound message of the cross, He wasn't just crucified, dead, for you and as you, and buried, but He now lives. And so so Jesus now lives, and as He was ascended into that exalted place at the right hand of the Father, Jesus poured out His Spirit it on the day of Pentecost, and now you and I, even though we deserve death, and even though uh, we could do nothing about our sin, God had determined from the very beginning of time to come and live His life in us. Jesus died for me, Jesus died as me Jesus now lives in me by his spirit and the final point is that Jesus wants to be seen through me in other words Jesus wants to live his life in each one of us Now, what that means is that the message of the cross in so far as I am concerned or in so far as you are concerned is that it is absolutely effortless on your part it cost him absolutely everything but from our vantage point it is only amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me for each of us were lost dead in our sin but now we're alive was blind, but now we see. Well, I want to take that recap and sort of press it back into the Old Testament and sort of just share another level of, of the word of, okay, Jesus died for me. I died with him, therefore he died as me. He now lives in me and he wants to show himself through me. Now turn to Psalm chapter 8, if you will. This is an amazing um, text, and actually, um, I began to uh, study this text a number of years ago because the Lord spoke it to me when my father had a stroke, and I was elk hunting out in Colorado, and I shared this on one other occasion years ago, and they couldn't get a hold of me. The telephones wouldn't work, and it was about three days after he had had a massive stroke and then subsequently passed away three months later. But I was, in about, I was on about f- a mountaintop of about 1,400 feet, no, about 1,200 feet then. I'd just gotten the news that they had been looking for me, and my dad had had this massive stroke. And I'm sitting on this rock looking down over this mountain into this vista, and the stars were out. and I heard in my spirit uh, what I'm about to read uh, to you from Psalm chapter 8. And I quoted it and I said it out loud, just sort of weeping. And Verse 3 of Psalm chapter 8 says, When I consider your heavens in the work of your hands, when I consider the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? If you've ever stood on the beach and looked out at the ocean, you get the this, this sense of the smallness of, of who you are. If you've ever walked out into the night sky and looked up into the stars and begun to think about the vistas and the light years of this realm in which we're living, you, you begin to shrink and see how small you are. If you've ever walked through a forest and, and begun to just contemplate the birds and the trees and the sounds and the sights and the flowers, the flora, the, the fauna. You begin to realize that, that we're awfully small. And that's really what, what David here is uh, talking about when he looks at this, this text that's really about creation. He said, when I consider all that you've made, the stars, the moon, what am I that you should be mindful of Him and the Son of Man that you should care for Him? And verse 5 says, for you have made Him a little lower Than the angels. I don't want to take a lot of time here, but that's not the correct translation. In the Hebrew, it says, You've made him a little lower than Elohim. Now, we're not God, but when God made us, Barah, in the beginning, Breshit, Barah, Elohim. When God fashioned us, He made us just a little bit lower than Himself. Now we're going to discover what that means. Um, You have made Him a little lower than Elohim Himself, the angels if you prefer, and you have crowned Him with glory and honor. It is the subject of living this life that we now have that I want to share in our closing moments that we have together. God created us a little bit lower than himself, uh, and he did so so that we would carry, be crowned with his own glory and his own honor. Now let me pause there. The psalmist would say, Selah. Let's just think about that for a minute. Because some of you are here, you're questioning your worth. You're evaluating the pros of your life and your strengths and your contrasting that with your deficits and your challenges and your weaknesses and all the rest. When God originally created you, as the psalmist said, He created you. You have been created for the glory of God. That's what Psalm 8, uh, 5, etc. means. Now, we're going to press this uh, just a little bit further back in the Old um, Testament that this original design that God has actually created Created in us was to carry His own glory. Now, what is this glory uh, with which He has crowned us? Is the question. Now, turn, if you will, uh, to way back in the beginning of your Bible to Genesis, um, I think it is chapter 2. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. And let's look at a couple of scriptures there. The question is what is this glory? Um, you have made him a little lower than Elohim himself and you've crowned him uh, with, um, with glory and honor. And I, I really think it means in, when God created us, he, crowned, he gave himself to us. And that's what you observe. So in verse 26, um, it says this, uh, Then God said, this is chapter 2 of Genesis, Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now we're familiar with these texts. And according to our likeness, there is an organic fellowship, if you will, family that was inherent, is inherent in God Himself, Father, uh, living Word that became flesh as we know in Jesus, and the Spirit of God. So this text in Genesis chapter 2, verse 26, um, says that let us create man in our image. Now what I want you to see here is that God created you and he created me um, in his image so if you look down at verse 26 or 27 now so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them come on girls God didn't leave you out come on guys what God did is is when he created you to house if you will the crown of his glory his very presence the way he did that his glory is actually his own image he created you in the image of God now the question is what in the world is an image an image is the is the clear representation of another if you look at your image in a mirror what will you see providing the mirror is clear you will see a pristine clear uh, image of yourself when God created you male and female he created you in his image to be the exact representation in fact the the exact reflection of his presence now that's what Psalm 8 was saying. What is man that you should be mindful of Him? When I look at around all the created, everything you've spoken and ordained, what is man that you should be mindful of Him? Uh-uh. I, God, have created you and crowned you with glory, and your glory is my presence. And when God created them, male and female, he created you in his very likeness to be the exact representation of himself. Now, what we need to. Re- Let me go on here and look at another, another text here. Um, when we look at verse 31 of that same text, then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. Now, why would God say that? He did it. He said the same thing when He when He let, let there be light, and there was, and ooh, it was good. And He created terra firma, everything we see around us, and He said, It is good. And then He created man, male and female, in His own image, and He said, It is good. Now, why did He say it is good when He created you in His image? Think of the mirror what did God see when he looked at you he saw himself from the very beginning of time God wanted to have a people he said let us we're spirit we, we can't we, we can speak, we can make, we, but let us make man, male and female, in our own image. And when He looks at us, He sees Himself and He goes, Woo! I look pretty good in them. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, you and I then were created in the image of God, male and female. He created us in order to reflect, to represent to represent himself every place you go now he saw that it was good now what did he see he saw himself and what you need to recognize here is when he looked at you in original creation he saw the image of himself the reflection of himself he didn't see you now what that means is is that the glory of god follow this the glory of God and the image that we reflect absolutely perfectly back to him is derived glory and a derived present in other words it's not intrinsic in you you are a vessel you are a container you are something that God created and then he said watch this one big box lid open And when he's in you, he says, wow, that's good. That is awesome. Now, I understand that most of us don't get that. But Christianity has become awfully hard because we don't understand basic principles. Effortless Christianity isn't about anything I bring to the equation. It's about God having created me for His purpose and then stepped into me to show Himself off through a vessel that's empty, through a container that brings nothing to the equation except a willingness to house His presence. You follow what I'm saying? It's a little bit hard to get, I understand. So, uh, so then, the original purpose uh, that God intended was demonstrated finally, and I think it is verse uh, 7 of chapter 2, and it said this, And then God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and He (laughs) breathed into him the breath of life. He said, Ah, yeah. Now I have manufactured, built, created a man prototypically male and female and I'm breathing into them I'm animating them I'm placing my own life the breath of life in them now every place they go God who is spirit now has a body to live in You all get that Okay let's move forward here just a little bit Now the original purpose then with for which God has created us is that uh you and I were created Um, to be a physical and a visual expression of God, God Himself behaving in us and living His life through us. Now let's transition a little bit to the New Testament. For you will probably remember in John chapter 4, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, and uh, He said something in that chapter. He said, God is spirit. Jesus, in John chapter 3, said, the wind blows where it will. When you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from, neither do you know where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see, now God is Spirit, um, and therefore He can't be touched or or tasted with the senses, smelled, heard, uh, except as we hear in our heart. Um, but God is spirit, and God is, secondly, if you read 1 John four sixteen, 16, um, God is love. So God is invisible unless He has a body to manifest Himself, and God's love becomes intangible until He pours it out into somebody's heart. Romans 5, 5, The love of God is poured out into our hearts, by the Spirit who has been given unto us. So God who has no body, God who is Spirit, God who is love, in First John 1, 5 said, God is light. Now God has a body, a person, through whom He can live out and demonstrate His life to those around Him. So the, the, the central purpose for which you were created... Listen to this. And what makes you normal is that you understand that God has made you into a vessel to contain His presence and His glory. The world will tell you all kinds of things of what makes you normal. And they're all walking in deception. If it doesn't center on God wants to put you on like a pair of jeans. God wants to put you on like a glove. God wants to show Himself in you. And God wants to show Himself uh, through you. Now, y- you know it's the indwelling presence of Jesus by the Spirit that we're talking about this morning. Now, let's transition here for just a minute. People lose their way, and people lose their, their joy. Uh, people lose their peace, and people... Uh, we lose our peace and our life and our joy and our righteousness because those originally created man and woman, uh, they were originally created to display the glory of God. Um, God said, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except one. Now, here's the one that, that deceived them and drew them into their deception of what we call sin what many call sin you see they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they just ate of a tree of knowledge the knowledge of good and evil but God said don't do that because when you eat of that tree you will surely die now what died when they disobeyed God and ate of the fruit? Well. Uh, the, the original glory of God was lifted from them. His image, the perfectly clear uh, representation of God in you by the breath of the Spirit, was fractured. The image was broken, and what they were left with was, well, just the physical husk of being a man and a woman. And, and all of the Scripture then sort of you know begins us to anticipate and then look for what God would do eventually by sending someone to pay the cost pay the price that we could never pay ourselves and the new covenant then finds its chief expression in the coming of Jesus his death on a cross his burial and then his resurrection now if we think about who this person Jesus was we could have a lot of answers this guy raised the dead he healed the sick he walked in a power that wasn't his own the power and the presence Jesus was fully man don't misunderstand what I'm saying and he was fully God but I believe Jesus did everything he did as a man fully surrendered to the Father and therefore that made him a vessel and a container You see the connection so let me give you a couple of scripture references at least one anyway Um, in John chapter 5 verse 19 Jesus said "Um, I only do what the Father tells me to do and shows me to do you can read that Um, Jesus was the perfectly obedient man Not the first Adam who disobeyed, but the second Adam who obeyed God perfectly by being fully submitted and fully surrendered as a vessel and as a container that the Father would fill. That's why Jesus said to Philip, "Well, you know, the Father and I are one." In John chapter 17, He said then later to Philip, "Um, "If you've seen uh, me, Philip, you've seen the Father." In other words, Jesus, this this prototypic Uh, Savior of the world What made him unique Was not just that he was the living word And and came and dwelt among us That was profound He was God But what really demonstrated And set him apart Is that this Jesus Emptied himself Philippians chapter 2 And took on the form of a servant And in emptying himself He allowed God to fill the vessel That's Jesus Jesus now we're going to push this a little bit further, and bring it to conclusion, and that is, you are a vessel, and you are a container. If it was essential that Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself, had to lay down and lay aside his his um, his all that He was in God in order for him to fully listen and fully obey the Father, it's probably important that we do the very same thing. Jesus didn't sweat stuff. You know what I mean? Anybody in here sweat stuff? Does that communicate? We're anxious about things. We, we, you know, we feel like we've got to control everything, and everybody, and ourselves. You see... But Jesus wasn't like that. You'll never find a a place anywhere where Jesus was uptight. Uh, Jesus simply knew who he was, and he was fully submitted uh, to the Father as a vessel and as a container. Now, um, one of the very first times that the resurrected Jesus speaks from the heavenly realm is when this guy named Saul of Tarsus, a legalist, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he was hauling these new Christians into the slammer. He was, he was just breathing out threats and all kinds of stuff against these people of the way who were following Jesus. Well, he was on his way to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, and he met this Jesus who was not just dead and buried, but he was raised from the dead. He had by this time been ascended to the Father. And from that exalted place, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you're How would you like to have that revelation? <laughs> Show us Jesus. <laughs> Well, well, what he said then uh, to Paul, finally, when he opened his eyes, after three days of walking around in the darkness, you can read that on your own, Acts chapter 9, in verse uh, 15, Jesus says to this Saul on the road to Damascus, For you are a chosen vessel for me, and I will show you what my purpose is for your life. You see, God originally created people to be vessels of His honor, to contain His glory and to reflect perfectly His image. They chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the fall was immense and it was profound and the gulf was wide and it was deep and nobody could cross it. They were banished into the darkness of the world as it were. But in the fullness of time, God sent His Son... To fulfill His first and His intended purpose. And that is to cause you to recognize that you can't do it. You can't. Let me say that again. You can't do it. Do what? You can't do anything by which God should, should love you. He already loves you. You can't earn your place in heaven. We scamper around and we worry about so many different things and God has already done it all. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Is that a good deal or what? You see, now it cost it. Our freedom cost Him everything. It cost Him His life. He died for us. He died as us. But brothers and sisters, it's all grace toward you, lest you boast and somehow you have added something to it. So, Saul, you were a chosen vessel of mine. And then in 2 Corinthians, I'm almost finished here, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Paul said, It is God who has shown in our hearts... Now, this is Saul, the guy who met Jesus and said, You're a chosen vessel, and I'm going to show you my purposes for your life. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and following, he said, It is God who has shone in our heart. You see the illusion? God said in 1 John, I am light. Paul wasn't saying, I have have light. He was saying, The light and the glory of God has shone in our hearts in order to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus, in verse 7, says this, But we have this treasure, the light of the excellency of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You see, that's the good news, that God stepped into... Jesus, and Jesus recognized the vessel of Himself and that God simply wanted to show Himself through Him. God wants to do the very same thing for us, to step into our lives. You're a chosen vessel. See, in other words, you're just a vessel. You're a container. You're empty. Now, that's not, that's not somehow you know beating myself up it's just a recognition that that is how God created us but but we spend all here we spend all of our times trying to fix the vessel you know, I'm too fat I gotta lose some weight and that's a good thing I recognize that well I'm doing some really stupid thing i ought to quit doing that. that's a really good thing too but it's not about what you do to the vessel it's about who is in the vessel you see, that's the glory of God. That's the image of God. So the only way you can perfectly reflect God to other people, Jesus being in you and working His life, living His life through you, is to let Him fill you up, filling you with His presence alone. You see, the indwelling presence of God living in us, in us and doing everything through us, that's the life of the indwelling presence of Jesus that He's after in each one of us. The ultimate purpose can only be realized through God expressing Himself through every thought and every action of yours. What's God want from me? He wants to live His life in you. He wants to live His life through you. He wants us to get out of the way and stop trying to perform and let Him Love us because He's love. Let Him shine forth because He's light. Let God, who is spirit, have a body through which He can work through. We make it so awfully hard sometimes. Well, let me give you just three real quick sort of homespun illustrations. If you were a lamp, an oil lamp, the function for which you were created. Would be to give off light. But there's only one way you can give off light, and that is if you have oil. Without oil, there is no light. The wick will smolder and burn down, and it will become dust. So you need to have oil in order to uh, accomplish your created purpose. Shifting metaphors if you're an automobile uh, and your function is transportation, um, you need Petroleum, either gas or diesel, to get you from point A to point B. If you don't, if there's no gasoline in your car, you can get out and push that baby, and you might go four miles an hour if you're fortunate. But see, God created the car to have have the energy that's given to them by the gas. Now the same is true as human beings. God has created us and designed us for His presence and without His indwelling presence we just burn ourselves up. Christianity really becomes effortless when we discover the key which is God in me, Paul said in Colossians, who is the hope of glory him we preach you see the message of the cross is really a simple one and that is God has done it all for us and this same God who did everything for us by sending Jesus to a cross has now been raised from the dead ascended into heaven and has poured out his spirit so that he the God who made it all can now step into your vessel and live his life in you and demonstrate his life through you. Now, just a couple more thoughts here, and then, and then we'll close. Uh, God specifically made us to display His image or to represent His glory to those around us, His presence. Now, uh, we were made to contain, then, His treasure in earthen vessels. Now, but the problem was in Isaiah 64 that there's that all are an unclean thing. Isaiah 64, 6. This is the kind of the bad news of the gospel before you get to the good news. You see, but we are all like an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Do you understand what that means? All of your goodness, all of your intrinsic working to try to get into God's good graces, God sees them as simply soiled clothes dirty rags because he wants to be your righteousness he wants to be in you all that he requires of you Romans three ten says but there is none righteous not even one well I'm not as bad as so-and-so no it's not about being bad or worse it's about God who said you never will measure up let me measure up for you and finally Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God now what is this thing called sin it's trying to derive meaning from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can't learn enough you can't work hard enough you can't perform enough but Jesus is enough The gospel is that God has done everything for you and everything for me that we will ever need Him to do. The way I get it into Him is to believe what He said is true, not to work harder. Is that good news for anybody? In fact, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. You see, the gospel then represents the finished work of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is everything I need. I'll close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 30 says this, Because of Him, the Father, you are now in Jesus, and Jesus in you, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness from God, and sanctification from God and redemption from God in order that he who boasts, boast only in the Lord. You see, the point is we're empty vessels. If you need wisdom, He's your wisdom. If you need righteousness, which we all do, He's our righteousness. If you need sanctification, guess who is your sanctification? Not pedaling your bicycle harder. You see, it's Him. He is everything and we access Him simply by faith. And God, when He sees faith, He credits That faith to us as righteousness, the very same way he did. Who is it? Come on. Abraham. The man of faith. Nothing but Jesus and him crucified. You see, it's my weakness, it's not my strength that God's looking for, because my strength mitigates against his presence. When I see myself as wise, I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that becomes an impediment to being a vessel that he would fill. And I'm telling you, most of us spend our time trying to fix the vessel, trying to be strong, trying to be good, trying to be wise. And Jesus just said, you know what? There's a place of rest. Just come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you... Rest. Take my yoke upon yourself. Get in the yoke with me. I want to help you pull that thing. Because my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Is there anybody here today that wants to get into the yoke of Jesus? It's a rhetorical question. But there are some here, I suspect, who are worn slam out. Trying to be a good Christian. And there is none. None. But Jesus, beloved, He is your righteousness. He's all that you need. Let's pray for just a minute and we'll be dismissed. Uh, Dean or Joseph, somebody come. We'll have a little music. What I want to do is just ask you to reflect this morning on your own life. If it's true that God has made us originally and designed us to be a vessel to contain His glory and His honor and to reflect His image, and if we fell, which we did, and God had a plan to reestablish us as vessels to contain His honor, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, then the question becomes, are you willing, are you uh, agreeing to simply surrender all that you are to the One who wants to come and fill you up? See, that becomes the question. You can work your little fingers to the bone, Father, I want to pray today that, firstly, if there's anybody here uh, who has never seen Jesus for who he really is, the Savior of the world, the Lord of life, the one who gave it all so that you might be free, the invitation to you is you, you don't necessarily have to come forward, though you can what you need to do is simply say God here I am and I don't know that I've ever allowed you to come and fill up the container but first of all there's a whole lot of me that's in the way and see that's what repentance really is it's just saying God I don't want me anymore I want you to be my all in all and if that's who I'm speaking to this morning the invitation is to come to the water and drink and let the river of living water begin to to gurgle up out of your innermost being Jesus said this would result be the result of the spirit whom he would give and pour out for the world maybe you're here this morning and you've been a Christian for well longer than you'd really like to admit but you feel like you're just working so hard and you just can't Attain to all that you expect you should be attaining the good news beloved is you can stop trying and you can empty yourself and allow Jesus to simply come and be who he wants to be in you I tell you it's the good news of the gospel can it really be true that thou my God would die for me Amazing love. How can it be that Thou, my God, would die for me and live again and step into my human flesh and live Your life to be represented as a perfect reflection to those around You? Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. Some of our prayer... Ministers, our prayer team, maybe some of our elders, if you would come and make yourselves available. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time. The invitation is come and let somebody pray with you. If you're weary and you simply want to say, God, I surrender my life utterly to you, then the invitation is to come to the water and drink. Let us pray with you before you slip out. God is in the house. God is in your house. God has made us a temple of the living God individually and corporately and he's looking for vessels and containers that he could then fill with his very presence. So, God, as we linger here and as we begin now to contemplate slipping out, Lord, I know there's probably many people who go, Ooh, I can't wait to get out of here. And, beloved, I would simply say you can run, but you can't hide because the hound of heaven knows exactly where you live. And he wants to capture your heart and just demonstrate how good his love is to you. <laughs> So God, would you send us out with your blessing, knowing how good you are and how much you love us. And if you'd like special prayer before you slip out, that invitation is for you to come. The Spirit of the living God is on you to show Himself strong and capable to you and to those around you. Would you go with full recognition that it's not about you, but it is about the treasure that is housed in your earthen vessel. God bless you and have a wonderful day today in Jesus. Or come and we'll be praying up here for any who would like prayer. God bless you. Hug on somebody as you go. Have a wonderful day.